You're listening to the number one Oilers podcast, Handkerchief Dynasty. Two minutes for interference. noticing today i was walking home from the grocery store with uh tuna steak and baguette you know like my normal sunday and i got a message from instagram and i've actually blocked almost all my instagram notifications because i find them so annoying so i was like huh okay someone sent me a message on instagram and it was a message from instagram itself saying this person who you may know is on instagram and this has happened a few times now and i'm just wondering what the fuck is the deal with instagram like, first of all, shouldn't it know everyone I know? Doesn't it metaphorically kind of have all my information pasted on its wall, like some kind of crazy stalker or something? And then also, like, why why does Instagram want me to know this person that it thinks I know? Like, what's the deal with that? I have no clue. I don't. It's so, uh... it's so fucked up. I can't wrap my hand around it. I'm like, stop sending me messages about who I may know. I'm too busy worrying about whether I know the people I think I know. You know, I got I'm knowing I got to know myself. There's all uh, these people I may know. If I worry about the people I may know, I'll have no time for anything else. But uh, in any case, before I digress more, um, welcome to Handkerchief Dynasty. Episode, I think we're on episode 67, which we're really getting into the fun part of the 60s now, everybody. Um, I am, as always, the secret professor, joined by my good friend, the high priest of Oilers Magic, as well as a very special guest today. Um sports journalist and broadcaster extraordinaire quinn phillips hello quinn hi how are you guys i've been better you know after yesterday but but generally doing quite well i would say quite happy you know i've had a day to accept the pain from game one um how about you high priest of oilers magic yeah i'm doing okay it's a series right nobody said it was going to be easy we got a check ourselves here they have to win three games we have to win three games one game is now taken care of there's no need to hit the panic button no need to sweat the hawks i think we're in good shape i too needed a day to sort of uh recalibrate my emotions but i'm feeling good i'm feeling great hockey in august and you guys say nobody thought it was going to be easy, and I think that's part of my concern with the Oilers, is that maybe they thought it was going to be a bit easier than it was. Yeah. Yeah. I well, don't know. We're, you know we're, 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 we're so rarely, we so rarely go into anything favorites, and we so rarely make the playoffs even. Um, and we're, we were a good team this year, you know, generally speaking. But I was thinking about it walking home, and I thought, like, how many quote-unquote good teams have gone into the playoffs year after year and then – laid an egg like it happens all the time 
it happens all the time. And I feel like we were going in with a good team for the first time in a while. We were favorites and we weren't, maybe we needed to be more cognizant of the fact that like, you know, just being a good team and being the favorite going into a playoff series doesn't really mean that much. Oh, the Calgary Flames did it last year. They won one game against Colorado and then Colorado won four straight. Yeah, it happens all the time. I think it was just, I mean, the Oilers weren't playing playoff hockey, plain and, plain and simple. It looked like they were playing like in, you know, game 27 of the, of, the, of the season or something like that. They didn't really show up. And of all the teams that have played, of all the games, I've watched a little bit of, I think, all the games. The Oilers definitely were the, the most lacking in their performance. And I wonder if the fact that the buildings are empty make more of a difference to teams that seem to draw so much from a raucous building than teams like, say, Florida, right. where nobody shows up. I think I it mean, was just... Sorry. I was just going to say that I, I wonder how jarring it was for guys that have been here before that were just kind of like wired for that atmosphere and all juiced in the locker room, like, oh, it's it's going to be great, you know? And then you get out there and there's just like, it's like a vacuum all of a sudden. And I think, mm. I don't know. I think- if And if you're used to a vacuum, no big deal, but- Yes, know. if you're used to a vacuum, no big deal. I expect, I think it, it was just, I expect them to come out at, at, like a totally different team in game two. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, it kind of, as much as, I want to give the Oilers credit. It does go both ways. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks are used to very raucous buildings, right? Um, it was interesting. They did a study, and I think it was in the German League, and they actually found, this was soccer, and of course, fans are definitely more of a factor in soccer, I would say, um, just because they're absolutely insane in Europe. Um, but the home team won less and scored less when they were at home without fans. So, mm. I mean, it, it is it is a bit of a concern for me, I'm not going to lie, and I think that there is a pressure being the Hub City team. Right. You know, there's yeah. a lot of eyes on you, and it's just, it's so unprecedented, like, you know, just what happens if the if the Hub City team is, is done in the qualifier round. Quinn, do you think that Chicago has another level they can take their game to, or do you think that was sort of the height of their game? I think that was probably the best that they can play. They are not very good defensively. And Corey Crawford, to be honest, I, I mean, I was just devastated that they didn't put more shots on him. They didn't give him, like put more pressure on him because he hasn't had a lot of time to prepare because he was out. And quite frankly, we don't know how COVID affected him. And yeah. so you need to be testing his fitness. You need to be pushing him. And that did not happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Chicago played a really good game. I, obviously, they have, you know, very skilled guys that can put the puck in the net that had way too much space. Um, but, yeah, the Oilers, yeah, defensively, they're not going to get a lot better. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think everyone's speculating a lot about lineup changes right now. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that we're probably going to be see seeing Miko between the pipes to start next game for one. Although, High Priest, I don't want to get into a shouting match with you over Miko versus Mike Smith. But um, although we can talk about the goaltending at some point, I think I'm just curious to see if he mixes up the lines at all. I'm curious to see how the players themselves respond individually because, you know, 
it's I just wonder after that first Connor McDavid goal, I kind of went I think I went like mentally and spiritually blind for a while. Like I have one question. Did you always even have a, a goal song? Because obviously we're hearing that fucking horrible Chicago song all the time now. But I think I just like lose my mind every time the Oilers go or score and I don't know. I have Did to be really honest. I never remember that stuff either. And some people are like, oh, this was like the song they walked out to in 2003. I'm like, what? How do you remember that? Um, you're right. When I'm in the building, I'm either working. So I'm mostly just like watching the replay, seeing what happened. Or if I'm in the stands, my brother is screaming in my ear and I don't really remember what else is happening. We need one because it's it's really it's bullshit that we don't if the, they don't why do they get one and not us like we should just be playing pipeline or whatever they played back in the eighties right? <laughs> I mean they should absolutely be playing pipeline. It, it was no coincidence to me that when they started when they stopped playing pipeline like that was that was like the death knell that was the beginning of the end. I think the Oilers have a goal horn, but I don't think they've had a specific goal song for quite a while i, I yeah, don't this think is this have... is wrong because if i have to live through the trauma of like hearing that bullshit chicago goal song five times in a game like we have to hear our song five times too if we score well and that one's just so iconic to them because of their stanley cup runs and stuff like that it's very easy to remember yeah it's in my nightmares now i mean i'm curious to see if he mixes up the lines a little bit or if he if he looks for the or if Tippett looks for the players to just respond on their own um i mean for glimpses obviously but i just wonder like after that first connor goal do we still have a problem on this team where when connor does something like that the entire the entire rest of the team thinks a little bit like well okay we we got it made now we got we got hockey jesus (sighs) well i sure hope not but again this goes back to this team up until this year had a real hard time with success. I mean, 2017 was very different, obviously. Um, but I just found like too many times this team would like, win one or two in a row, maximum two. And then they would think that they could play and they would think that they were better than other teams. Um, so I certainly hope that that's not the attitude. And, and plus he scored on a, a power play. Like there's no denying that that power yeah. play is very good, but they need to figure out how to score five on five. Yeah. So defend I don't five think on five that they too. could be too high on themselves when, you know, they need to figure out a way to score even strength. Do you think we're going to see the, uh, the dry settle Yamo Nuge line reunited anytime soon? Or is that just this amazing thing that happened and was very productive and successful that we're just never going to see again for some reason. Yeah. And, and I think, I think because I know that Leon and Yamo are really great together and obviously Nuge is great as well, but I think that maybe Dave Tippett was kind of hoping that the magic really was between Yamo and Leon Dreisaitl, because those two really like each other. They really like playing with each other. Um, And it's tough to tell after this first game, because that top line didn't do, every single individual player didn't do what they normally do, right? So I think that you give them another chance at this and give them a chance to kind of see what kind of magic can be created with... Nuge and McDavid, and then, you know, continued with Yamo and Leon, in my opinion. Yeah. That's so little runway. We got so little runway to experiment with. If we lose tomorrow, I mean, it might be good night nurse right there. So 
I mean, if we're going to well, see the line reunited, I think we need to see it tomorrow night. Or is it, is it tomorrow night or during the day? Or is it like 6 a.m. this game is? It's, it's tomorrow. 30 game. Nice. Evening. Nice. I know because it's very late coming up on my sports cast, which is not a lot of fun. I'm yeah. on air at like 11.20 in Edmonton, so uh, it's cutting her real tight. Scheduling's pretty wacky, no question. What were we going to say, High Priest of Oilers Magic? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I kind of interrupted. I was just going to say that I'm not sure. I, it, it didn't feel to me like line chemistry was the problem of that game. It just felt like nobody was ready. I sort of feel as though throwing everything into a, into a blender could kind of... Um, confuse the problem it can kind of muddy the waters it could it could make a sure i mean if you go full puree mode on the blender but you know if we could do we could do the dynamite line again then we put say we put neil up with mcdavid and cassian like people people have played together before i mean i'm just saying no no i actually really like um neil chase on kara they had a good camp and i'd like to see what they can do personally i think ennis if anything should move okay yeah that would work that would be less disruptive too, because you could keep the third line together as it. And the third line had that one amazing rush where, like, Athanasiu just seemed to like break through space and time, and they almost scored. And he should. He's so fast. I want to see more from him. I mean, just in general, since he's come to the Oilers. What about the defense? I mean, really, like people have been saying, Larson, Clefbaum were were really bad. I mean, people were saying Russell Benning was basically the best pairing. Um. I didn't think Nurse looked terrible. I didn't think a bear looked terrible either. Um, but the, the the general defense of the whole team was just lackluster. Like we just gave up incredible, incredible quality chances over and over. There was just yeah, there was just no work ethic there. Period. Um, but definitely, I mean, Clefbaum and Larson have to be their best pairing, and they were not their best pairing. And Dave Tippett even mentioned it this afternoon. It, he was very short. He's just said they were not good enough, and we need them to be better. Need them to be better. And Larson, you know, said that they just, you know, they gave a guy like Jonathan Taves too much space, which was very glaring. Um, and I think that they will be better. I just, I love mean Adam Larson. I just want him to go out there and be that, like that low-key mean that the refs don't catch, but the For players sure. really feel. Yeah, Larson, yeah. when he's when he's playing with that mean streak, he's he's exactly the kind of player. Like I've been saying for months, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the playoffs. So, I mean, I hope I see that on Monday. There was no, <laughs> no nobody really had a mean streak in that game. Like a mean streak was uh, sorely lacking. There was there was just no pushback. There was no emotion. There was no there was no business after the whistle. You know, there was none of that. And it was it was, was surprising. It, was it, was it, was it all surprising. milked out of our venom ducks in the Calgary game? Did we lose? Did we lose our mojo because we we used that fire on Calgary? You think it could have been? We could have we could have there could have been like a hangover or something like that. I'm I'm not sure. It was it was really surprising. Like not only was it you know, a bad playoff game, but it was one of the, I thought it was one of like the worst games the Oilers have played all year. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say, and it, it just, it's, it's stunning that it happened in such an important game. Like that's just, what's crazy. Um, you're right. Like there was no venom and like what they needed, they needed Zach Cassian. They needed like the mad chops, Zach Cassian to chops. go around and start throwing his body around. And, yeah. uh, you know, like just getting people going. I'm trying to pull up the stats to see if 
how many hits he had. He didn't have very many. And I mean, you're right. If you're going to grow chops like that, like the whole point of those chops. Is, there was weeks of build to up too. A... It's like the whole city had, the whole country had chop fever. It was like the number one story going into the playoffs was the chops. Yeah. Well, and remember like those crazy eyes and those chops, like that's what everybody in Edmonton wants. Oh, so I'm going to tell you right now, he recorded two hits. Guess how many hits Kyler Yamamoto had? I'm going to guess like at least seven. He had five. Okay. Riley Shahan had five. Zach Cassian had two hits. Well, we and recorded. And of course, it was minus three. We recorded so, a ton of hits overall as a team, but it didn't really seem like a hitting heavy game. Like the officiating or the, or the calling of the hits seemed like different than a normal game almost. Because didn't well, we have like 40 I, or 50 can, hits? And I can appreciate that a pace of a game, like if you go and try to throw a hit, you, you might get, get behind the play, that kind of thing. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just think that Zach Cassian, I think you can find a bit more time and space for that. Um, I don't know. Chicago's, you know, pretty fast team and they let them play pretty run and gun. So certainly the style of play didn't allow Zach Cassian to throw his body around a ton, but, uh, he had one giveaway too. But Cassian also can make an impact in a game without, you know, laying the body. Like he said, he's got the chops, right? Like he's a menacing figure out there on the ice. He's a guy that can change momentum in a game just through his mere presence. And it was like Chicago completely neutered him in that game. That being said, I'm sure he more than anyone else realizes that. And I think he's one of the players. I think guys that are, um, guys that are called like your playoff players, guys like Mike Smith and Zach Cassian, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I wonder how those guys specifically react to playing in a building with no fans. Like I think guys like that, kind of especially like that, need need the building to kind of draw their mojo from. But I'm sure he's got it all figured out, and he figured it out. I expect him to be the Zach Cassian, the chops we all know and love for uh, for game two. Yeah, you are right. Like, because he is that guy that when the crowd is going crazier and crazier, he gets crazier and crazier, right? So, yes. and I mean, they barely even play the music really loud inside there. Uh, like, mm. you know, like the people that are inside the bubble, like, I mean, that sound that they pipe in is only for broadcast, basically, so that you don't hear the players talking to each other or chirping each other. But yeah. uh, I've heard that, like, even the music isn't being played that loud. So interesting. Yeah, it's it's probably it is probably pretty tough to draw energy. But at the end of the day, every team is in the same boat. So you got to find a way. Absolutely. Well, so what about goal? Should we goaltending? Should we tackle it? Should we get ask, into yeah. it? I was gonna. Well, I was just gonna ask Quinn. So you're, you know, you're a fairly prominent member of the media. You know, you have access to a lot of information. Um, a lot of colleagues with, you know, a lot of access. So I'm just wondering because we covered this on the podcast earlier this year when uh, when Mike Smith was um, was bested. Uh, he's Mike Smith is a uh, is one of the Wizard Warlock goaltenders in the NHL as well as Miko. We have two. There's there's only a few left. It's kind of a dying breed, but uh, he was he was bested by a warlock hunter earlier in the year in a Vancouver game. And I'm just wondering if anyone in the press is asking about this, the possibility that maybe some sort of wizardry might be going on behind the scenes here. And that's one of the reasons behind his performance on Saturday. Uh, I'd like to see the look on his face if I asked that over Zoom. <laughs> as, yeah, as would I. I mean, I think and I think a lot of people out there would like to know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's there's a, a handful of people out there that would like to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be honest. Like, 
Smith didn't have a great game, and that one goal, I'm going to hang on him. But I, I'm definitely... Which was honestly the 1-1 one, one goal, though, when you think about it. Like, that's... Well, yeah, that's was really early, and, and like 25 seconds before that, he made a point-blank save on Patrick Kane, who was oh, le- yeah, left he made completely some... alone right in front. Yeah. You know, and then the play continued, and then he turned the puck over. So the team in yeah. front of him was no good. I mean, he definitely didn't, like, he turned the puck over. That was his fault. There's absolutely no denying that. And then Dylan Strome made a very smart play to bank it off of him. But, I mean, I thought he made a few 10-bell saves early sure. in the game. Like, the first 56 yeah. seconds, I was like, oh, this isn't great. But, I mean, yeah. do you guys ever wonder do you guys ever wonder if maybe the team plays a little more calm in front of Miko than they do with Smith even though I'm, I think they like both goaltenders and they're they, they believe in both goaltenders but there's certainly been more games with Smith in the net where things have gotten kind of wacky and I feel like as long as it looks like Miko is having a strong game and he's weathering he weathers kind of the early storm I wonder if the players don't play a little more calm in front of him too I mean I'm not I'm not hanging it on Smith at all it was total team loss for sure but I'm just I'm looking for answers Um, And, you know, my colleague John had actually kind of mentioned it. He said that he thought maybe they were a little shocked that Mike Smith got the start, but it's it's become very clear that that is kind of Tip's guy, and I get it. You know, Dave Tippett did say that they won five five straight to start the season, and they did it with Mike Smith, so they wanted to go that way again. Um, But but Miko just looked better in camp. so, you know, maybe the team was a little stunned by that, but I, you know, I think they have confidence in both guys. And I think that they know that Mike Smith has a battle level and an intensity level that, that is admirable. And yeah. it, he's much more of a leader on the team too. I think like, I love Mike Smith. I think he's great. Um, I just wonder if like, especially when it comes to like a, a kind of a, a weird goal going in like that, where he's maybe left the net or mishandled the puck a little bit and, Again, you know, it, he wasn't the one that first turned it over, and it was it was a team defensive play to blame for the loss overall. But I feel like if I was an Oiler, and and thank God I'm not, because we would all be up a river. But um, I, I might just be like, okay, I, I want the quiet, weird guy who's just twenty feet tall and just stands there and absorbs everything. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, you know, my concern is is that if this team is going to go deep, goaltending is probably going to be their weakness. As much as I like the improvement that Miko has made, I don't know if they have deep playoff goaltending. Unless they can just go back and forth with the guys like they did all season and each have two outstanding games. Well, I wonder if it's the back and forth that's potentially an issue too. Because, I mean, the part of me that has loved both goaltenders this year, and really we did have great goaltending this year, and I love the platoon system, and I I, I think it's still going to be more and more popular, but... I believe the high priest of Oilers Magic, you said something back in like October where you said that kind of not knowing who the starter is can kind of just fuck with everyone's heads a little bit. Remember when you said that? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something I'd say. And I think that's that's what <laughs> Quinn was alluding to, right? Like, you know, who knows? I think when you don't know, there's a time, I think a two-goalie system, I mean, that's the fatal flaw in a two-goalie system. In the regular season, I think a two-goalie system can carry you a long way, if not the entire season, if you kind of play your hunches and it all works out. But there always comes a point in the playoffs, it seems like, where you have to pick a guy and go with it. And there's usually, 
I don't know. That's never really an easy decision, and it seems contingent on one of the goalies failing. And in well, I mean, a, we're, but a, we, that might be the silver lining right there. Like maybe now we know. Okay, we got to go with Miko. Yes, maybe and now. Depending we know. on like he 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 might have to steal us this game. I mean, it might know, come down no, to well, that. If we if we don't if we improve a bit, but not not tons. That's what I was going to say. Is that in a short series, that decision and the two goalie system becomes even it becomes even kind of more fraught with peril. Like now time is of the essence, right? So you're kind of, you, you all season you've, you've gone back and forth and I, I, I'm sure Miko's going to get the start again tomorrow, but I mean, you know what I mean? We've never had a clear guy. And to me, this is always the fatal flaw with the two goalie system is it never really seems to, it never really seems to naturally work out in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, I have to worry now about a goalie that that took a pretty big confidence hit in game one. And yeah, so now you don't have that distinct starter where you say, yeah, no, we're just going right back to him. Where I think, you know, that kind of happened with Nashville today is Saros, you know, let in four and... But I think you got to stick with him because they've kind of gone with that's your guy, right? And and the Oilers, you're right, don't have that now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's also brutal. Like I feel bad for for Mike Smith in a way because he really the, like a confidence hit is right. Like I, I the people really turned on Mike Smith. Like nobody really. I got the impression that the fan base was very pro Miko. Almost to a, almost to a degree where it was like they everyone would be so shocked, like it was absolutely outrageous if Mike Smith were to get the start. But Mike Smith made the best save of the game in that Calgary game at the most crucial point in the game. To me, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't outside the realm of possibility. I mean, he's uh, that's Tippy's boy, and I think Tippy had a hunch. And when you have a hunch, you play the hunch. That's why God gave us hunches, right? To play them. <laughs> Well, is that why it, I gave us hunches? Okay. I didn't know actually why. That's and why. then Other than a bad December, I, I mean, Mike Smith turned it around after that, and he was absolutely incredible up until the pause, in my opinion. And just such a team guy. And I wasn't as upset about him starting on Saturday as a lot of people were. I wasn't really that surprised that it was him. I kind of figured because it does feel like it is Dave Tippett's guy. But um, now the waters are muddied because of that confidence, right? I definitely wasn't. I wasn't too shocked. I mean, I was a little surprised, but not too much and not worried at all. Like, I have confidence in Mike Smith's game. But at this point, if Miko wasn't behind the pipes, I mean, I think, you know, we might need to, like, batten down the hatches and barricade the doors because there'll be an unruly mob looking to burn down the village pretty soon. The beautiful thing about Mike Smith, though, is that he seems like the sort of guy that maybe a guy like that. I mean, and goalies are a strange breed, and I'm not a goalie, so I, I can't. But you're very strange. What goes we on? We have established. I that. am very strange. I am very strange. Mike Smith strikes me as the kind of guy where maybe a confidence hit like this isn't the worst possible thing to happen. Like he seems, at least from what I've seen of the guy, that he's a guy that kind of thrives under. Um, you know, showing people adversity up and proving, yeah. yeah, adversity is the word I'm looking for, proving himself to people. Like he's kind of made a career out of 
people not thinking he's the guy and being the guy. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure, you know, knock on wood, our run goes long here. And I'm sure if it does, that's definitely not the last we've seen of Mike Smith. Well, and so, yeah, the one thing I will say is, yeah, he does have a ton of fight. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That said, I have heard, especially from people in Calgary, that when things are going bad, it can be very bad with Mike Smith. So, but then, you know, and I'd have to, I have to say in December, I was very worried remembering that people had told me that and, but he was able to turn it around. And I don't know if that's just like, great work with Dustin Schwartz, their goaltending coach. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't really just fall off for the rest of the season, which is definitely a positive thing because I don't want that Mike Smith where when, when things are bad, things are worse. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think as a goalie, you need to be able to handle that. I, I always thought, I always kind of assumed he handled it better than most. I think Miko handles it pretty well too. Um, December. Oh, man. I don't even want to think about December right now. Although I think all my depression in December has been condensed into like a 72-hour period um, this weekend after game one. Well, at least it was still 2019. I mean, 2020 as a whole hasn't exactly delivered. No, no. Not a banner. Not a banner year for the company, so to speak. No, Um, not a banner year for the planet. Did we did we dress the chosen one, Philip Broberg, in this last game? Was he just like sitting on the bench? We didn't dress him, did no, we? No, he was a uh, he was scratched. And then who was the? Did we had an extra forward, right, or an extra defenseman, or no? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, I don't think we're going to see any lineup changes, really. No, um, I, w- I wouldn't think so. And everybody skated today, so everybody is healthy, including Tyler Ennis, who took that uh, shoulder to the chin. Yeah, um, and Cal- Cal- Caligula, who I call him Caligula. Oh um, yes. <laughs> is he's got one game suspension, right? One game yep. suspension for so, the hit. Yep. Obviously, we're going to win game two now. I mean, without Drake Caligula, the Blackhawks have no, no I, chance, I clearly. Mean, yeah, the the glue that holds the team together. Although, you know, I say that with sarcasm, but when he was in Edmonton, he was one of my favorite guys in the dressing room. And he's just a little pit bull, um, but he's also a really, really good dude. Really likable guy. That was one he of was, the brutal, that was one of those brutal trades at the end of the Shirelli era for sure because we got uh, I think we got a bad, literally a bag of pucks. I I honestly like I honestly still to this day believe that Shirelli did it on purpose to just bury the team because he knew he was going to get fired. I I don't Hot I don't take. know what else it could be. It literally does not make sense. You traded one of your star's favorite players, like favorite teammates for the guy who took him out in his rookie season and took the Calder trophy away from him. How does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that kind of thing's going on. We're doing it on purpose to like, just. Well, I mean, the Calgary flames are evidence that this kind of thing is going on all the time. Like clearly we've sent them Cam Talbot to try and, and scuttle their, their franchise. And he's like a secret aid or a double agent. Shirelli, and then people are saying Shirelli has a chance at what the Arizona job. I think he's been his name has been bandied about. And like just knowing Arizona, does that really surprise you at all? Not really. No. Yeah, I mean, good luck. I love and, like, I love those I love those wacky American franchises. <laughs> but Buffalo, 
Oh, actually, uh, so so Quinn, I don't know. Did you did you hear? This is a story we're actually we've been breaking and we've been following it really closely. This is an exclusive Hanker Down Handkerchief Dynasty story. So, um, when Buffalo fired like their entire management staff in that one that one bloodletting, um, they fired their IT guy, but they rehired him within twenty four hours. Do you know? Do you know what the reason was? They had to rehire the IT guy um, within twenty four hours. The Buffalo Sabers. Uh, no. Well, there were several reasons. One, he had the the what was it? Can you help me with this high priest? He had the he had the key to the cabinet where they kept the printer paper. Um, they needed someone to plug a, an HDMI cable into a monitor. I know it was another reason. Um, Kim Pagula couldn't log into her Instagram. Yeah, it's a developing story. There's all kinds of new stuff coming out all the time. Shocking stuff. Shocking. Absolutely. Stuff. I mean, the the printer paper is something. Yeah. Do you think? On the on the topic of the Kajula suspension, do you think that sort of because um, when I heard that news today, I was going into waking up this morning, I was feeling good, and I put it all behind me, and I was thinking the others are going to come out on all cylinders. When you're playing a team that has a player suspended like that, is that I mean that can only be taken as a massive positive, right, to the to the opposition, like the Oilers. It kind of feels like that would even be more incentive, like a very positive thing. Ennis is okay. Their guy's out. We've played a shit game. We're going to come out. You know what I mean? Like the stars really seem aligned for us to knock on wood, you know, have a, have a great game here. Do you want me to build on the positivity? <laughs> or yeah. do you want me to be realistic? Um. Well, I guess be realistic, I suppose. I'm a little terrified about what you're, what you're about to say. Well, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to... I mean, Drake Kajula is a, a great guy. I mean, it's not Jonathan Taves. It's not no. Matt Payne. Um, but it's a starter that's not in the lineup. You know, it's a regular guy that's not going to be there. A hundred percent. But here on the flip side, Drake Kajula was not happy to be traded. Drake Kajula is very, very much looking forward to playing his old team that traded him in a nasty trade. And his teammates know that. And they know that he's going to be devastated to be missing a game. Hmm. So that is on the other side, definitely something to worry about, that his teammates are going to rally for him. Of course. Great point. That's the only thing, because I just know that Jeremy Colleton said today that he feels really bad for Drake because he was so excited to play his old team. Ugh, damn it. I'm sorry, but you're right. And, you know, I honestly, I, the Edmonton Oilers do not need Drake Kajula out. They need to just come out and know that they can play a lot better and that they will play a lot better. At least they know that they're not coming into this saying, wow, we gave it all we had and we just couldn't beat Corey Crawford and now we're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is not what happened. I mean, Corey Crawford did make some good saves. The Oilers did hit a few posts, but the Oilers didn't play well and they know that they have a next level and that they can be a lot better and they will be a lot better because they're not going to do that again, I don't think. Yeah, I think the end of the third period in the last game is uh, is an indication, hopefully, that they're, they they woke up and 
we're going to see them bring their, bring their A game because it is true. It is it isn't about the Chicago Blackhawks. If the Oilers bring their their A game, you know we can we know the power play is is strong. I think the PK needs to improve next game a bit as well. But if their, if their five on five play improves, you know maybe we see Ennis on that top line and we see the dynamite line for a bit. Um, you know, I, I would be happy if we just didn't give two odd men rushes up in the first, like, 60 seconds. That would be great, too. That's a nice It was the nice first 56 seconds, yeah. And then, I mean, and then you kind of shrugged it off because the others got a power play. Connor McDavid scored on a beauty shot. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, they've turned it around. And that was the one thing also going back to that game is that every time the Oilers had any bit of momentum, the Hawks took it right back with the goal. Um, I think it was 2-1, and Leon Dreisaitl's line had a great shift, and then Chicago came back and made it 3-1. And it was just like, no, it was 3-1, and that made it 4-1. And it was just like, this feels more insurmountable now. Yeah. How insurmountable is it going to be if we lose game two? I mean, like, we're setting ourselves up for a, a nice story if we can somehow come back from two games down. But, I mean, I wouldn't like our chances at all. I don't like that story. Well, I mean, the story's fun if it happens, because that's just wild. But um, I just, yeah, you don't want to be going two down and then just walking along the cliff's edge for the rest of the week. Yeah, and the whole town is going to be on the cliff's edge. It's going to be wild when, like, all these hundreds of thousands of people have been waiting for hockey for months and months and months. And then within a scope of, like, what, like 72 hours or a span of 72 hours, um, our dreams would be dashed. Yeah, it would be bad. It would be bad. But um, luckily. I'm lucky I got the day off tomorrow. It's it's BC day. I don't think that's a holiday in Alberta, is it, guys? You got to work tomorrow? We have Heritage Day tomorrow, but I'm that's working. Oh, nice. So ah, whatever, I get that stat money. That's always nice. That's always nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, uh, Hi, Priest of Words Magic, your request uh, to get paid time and a half for the holidays that we record has been denied by corporate, just so you know. Okay. Oh, Sorry you know about what? that. I figured it would be. I was just kind of asking, like, um, I just feel beholden to ask like if i didn't ask there was no chance i'd get time and a half yeah they said they said because you'd been defrocked um okay. it was, That's fair. yeah if you if you still had i still yeah. had my frock yeah if you still had your frock um so we're, we're at a little under news very well <laughs> it's true he is well like um, i said like i kind of expected it this is it's not really it's not shocking news it's just kind of uh crushing news i mean let's also be honest like time and a half on nothing is not you know I don't know. I don't want to have to explain how multiplication works, but when you multiply by zero, um, zero, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that from grade three, I think, four, exactly. five, six. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll start the wind down procedure. <laughs> Maybe get a couple more questions in here. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Quinn. Been really fun. Um, Not sure. I think I think we needed we needed to take a day from recording to, you know let everything sink in a little bit like how 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 is everyone in, in your milieu handling it like is the family super bummed out is everyone is everyone morose me yeah obviously me um <laughs> uh my my brother is a very very passionate fan and uh he's not super happy that's for sure he's actually been pretty quiet on text messaging and and that kind of thing <laughs> um yeah. And to be honest, I I don't know if you guys knew, but my dad was the play-by-play guy for the Oilers for 37 years. I think, yeah, we might have known. Yeah, (laughs) I actually haven't talked to him. So, but to be honest, he is probably, he'd be okay. I mean, he's, he's seen it all, right? He knows that, 
you know, you can lose a game and, and still turn things around. I mean, I kind of thought the Oilers would sweep the Chicago Blackhawks and they still can win three straight. And then this is all just nothing. It was just a disappointing, yeah. really hot Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Little blip. I mean, it is still a very festive atmosphere. This hockey in July thing is still magical. I mean, I guess if if the unthinkable happens, and I'm going to knock on wood because the unthinkable won't happen, I will, I guess, jump on some other team's bandwagon. But it's going to be a bitter, bitter pill to drink. I am excited for tomorrow, though. Like, I had I had a lot of fun in the first, well, let's say, like, not the first minute, but the, the subsequent five minutes of the game after that was quite fun. So if we can just recreate that, I think we'll be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the ice is because it's just, it's been really hot in Edmonton. It's like 32 degrees today or something like that. And I know that even at one, the one o'clock game, Nuge said afterwards that the ice wasn't great. So tough to I remember. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking for a response. There's been two or three games or two games before them. Yeah, that's true. I would love I, a big response game from Nuge too. I really want to see him. I would like a big magic response game from everybody and I don't want to pile on Connor McDavid because he's just there's so much expected out of him but he was as much he put up three points but he was not great defensively well a guy like Connor is so it's so tricky to evaluate his game I'm finding because he can get three points in a like he's constantly having these nights where he'll get like three points and they're the three quietest points you'll ever see because he's so he's not demonstrative at all right so when you watch a guy like a, a Matthew Kachuk or something like that who's just very engaged in the game and seems to have so much more of a presence outside of the points that he's putting up it's easier to say to kind of find positives in a in a in a player like that despite the fact that it's Connor McDavid and there was a lot of fans today as like there was a lot of people who thought that Connie didn't show up for that game, but it's so hard to, I think sometimes what we view as um, disengagement from Connie just might be Connie being Connie. Like that's, you're never going to see him do the things that we feel we need to see to have evidence of his humanity in a way. Like he's just like a robot. He's a hockey playing. He's an alien flying an alien spaceship that is his own body. We've established Exactly. Yeah. We we established it. And, you know, I, I'm. I think it's fine. It's, it, the frustration in the media and that you've seen on Twitter today about people being like, "Oh, the, you know, he's a terrible interview." Blah blah blah. It's like, who gives a shit? He's an, one of the most amazing hockey players of all time. I really could not care less how good or bad an, an interview he is at this point. Oh yeah, and like the the interviews, whatever. People need to get over that. He's never going to change. Um, <laughs> Uh, sorry, we've got the vacuum going here at work in case you can hear that. But That's okay. um, my roommate's got the fan blasting in a thousand okay. decibels too. I'll turn um, on my vacuum as well. Okay, yeah, good. Then, then it won't just be me. Um, anyways, uh, he just, he wasn't good defensively. He, he gave, he turned the puck over on the, uh, third goal, I believe it was. So, um, he needs to be more responsible um, defensively. And they got hemmed in a few times. And, and then that would that would just be my complaint with him because, and I mean, yeah, create a little bit more five on five, but uh, be better defensively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, from your lips to the ears of God herself, as we like to say, um, 
been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm really hoping I can figure out why my audio editing software is broken because I think I think Skynet is continuing to try and stop us from releasing our podcast. So, but oh. we won't let them win. We won't let them win. Hi, priest. Absolutely. I might I might Skype with you later to do some uh, some troubleshooting on that if you have time. Yeah, sure. It sounds. Great. <laughs> You're excited. You can hear that like, excitement in his voice. Did you say troubleshooting? All yeah. oh, right. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Troubleshooting I have, I have, Sunday. Yeah. Skynet just continues. Like when we tried to talk to Low Tide, Skynet kept us from doing it for like days. They were really, really eager to keep us from talking to Low Tide for some reason. But, Nothing um, will stop that. Not, he's no. he's going to be there forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, uh, yeah, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Real pleasure to have you on and chat. Um, really interesting stuff. And I hope, uh, hope we can invite you on again soon when we have uh, some happier news to talk about, too. Yeah, like in the first round of the playoffs would be nice. Yeah, Maybe exactly. Maybe the second round, huh? Why not? We've earned it. We've earned it, yeah. haven't we? Everybody? That's, oh, everyone's nodding in agreement. Wait. It's been since 2017, so. We'll All be right, there. guys. We'll be there. All right. We'll, yeah, hold on to your butts. We're going to have fun tomorrow with the game. Everything's going to be great. Just don't, uh, just I'm telling myself right now, don't be too nervous. But uh, yeah, great talking to you. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'll let you know when it's up. Quinn, say hi to your dad for us. I will for sure. Okay. Nice yeah, talking big fan. to you. Okay. See you guys.